Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, welcome to the Julia Uploaded Podcast. We're not doing a cold open this week. My name's Alan. Hello. Um, with me this week, we've got Matt. Hello. We don't have the issue this week as well. We have two Matts because other Matt is not on. So we have... Yes, so you can not be confused. Uh, you know what? Right. No, I'm going to let them be confused anyway. <laughs> just, just for old times' sake. We also have Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello, we are also doing a cold open this week because it's not a cold open as in a cold open, but a cold open because we're in Australia and it's freezing. Mm. <laughs> Except yep. it's kind of not. It's like it's, summer temperatures. And it's, it's summer temperatures everywhere else in the world that's reasonable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mind you, just over in England, it's like 39 degrees and they're all melting. No, but I love how all the newspapers are just like, it's so fun. Look at these children playing in a fountain. <laughs> the world's not burning up. What are you talking about? Boris Johnson's going to fix it. Anyway. <laughs> Trent, hello. Hello. I'm glad you're here. And Harvard, hello. Hello. I have no political jokes to make after that one. Yeah, I feel like I sort of pigeonholed you all into that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm actually not. I have no issues with making that joke. Okay. Um, we have some stuff to talk about this week. It's games week of August. I don't know why I'm sounding so stilted. But yeah, it's Games Week of August, apparently. So we're going to go through that, and after some music, let's go.
Welcome back, everybody. Okay, so it is the Games of August because it is the end of the month as we record this. So as usual, we're going to talk about all the stuff coming out in the next month. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff indeed. And that's good, good stuff. Um, okay, so if we run through what's coming out, we'll start with maybe PlayStation 4, the old faithful, and... The one on... that doesn't have drift. Sorry? The one that doesn't have drift. Yeah, the one that doesn't have, have drift with the controllers, <laughs> and you can basically smash those into walls and they'll keep working those those controllers. They're pretty good, actually. Matt, I'm um, really sorry. Can I stop you for a second? I thought yeah, yeah. I, I, it's the best joke. You could write an article about Joy-Con drift and call it Tokyo Drift. Oh, that's well done, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, you've been working on that for at least a week, I can tell. You just add it to your repertoire. Mm -hmm. I sensed that bad pun. I was about to say it, and I'm just like, no, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because it's a shit pun. And then Alan's just like, I got a good joke. Stop, Matt. Oh. <laughs> no, Trent, you miss all the shots you don't take. You live, yeah, you yeah live that's exactly moment. right. <laughs> yeah. It's See, now you're disappointed Trent. that you didn't say it. Okay, let's go back to talking about the game coming out in August. Tokyo Drift, though. Uh, okay, so on the PlayStation, we have Age of Wonders Planetfall coming out on August 6th, which is a strategy game, I think, and that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's part of the Age of Wonders series. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Those games are pretty good. Also on, also on August 6th is uh, Metal Wolf Chaos XD, which... Um, Yo! Yeah, that's going to be good. That's yeah. a classic FromSoft game that is... that will, It's kind of legendary in that it was bloody hard to find and play and now it's coming out courtesy of devolver digital and from soft so that's good um good. on august 6th i know this is going to be the game of the year for at least trent because he has such good tasting games the angry like birds movie 2 vr under pressure that's going to be a great game so this is actually the under pressure song <laughs> um is there a cover bow in it no god <laughs> on august 8 lord of the rings adventure card game comes out and i'm kind of looking forward to that because lord of the rings adventure card game was actually quite a good one um so video game version of that is good uh stellaris console edition comes out on august 13 good game yep that's good that's very good uh da -da -da -da. oni oni naki comes out on august 22 which is well there's a demo out there um right now you can play it it's the latest one from tokyo rpg factory and it is Really intriguing. I'm looking forward to playing the full thing. It's going to be good, I think. Um, August 22 brings us Life is Strange 2, Episode 4. If you're playing along, then, you know, play the next one. Um, if you haven't, maybe catch up by then. Um, what else we got? August 27 brings Crystar. Crystar is the latest game from Furyu, the publisher behind Caligula, Caligula Effect. Uh, and <laughs> this one's been published by Spike Chunsoft. Should be, it's actually looking really good. It's got an intriguing premise. Basically, you fight and do stuff by crying, which has <laughs> never been done before. It's fun. No, it has been done. It's Binding of Isaac. Why is that so funny? <laughs> Binding of Isaac. There you go. It's the Japanese version of Binding of Isaac or something. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, August 27 also brings the Bard's Tale 4 director's cut for Dungeon Crawler fans that's coming out on <laughs> PlayStation um, this month, which is which is great. Bard's Tale is pretty good. And I've heard that this one had a rocky launch, but has got better since. So, yeah. Over on the switcheroo, we have August 1 brings Pandemic, which is the board game thing 
and yeah that should be pretty good the board game's good anyway so hopefully a switch version of that's good august one also brings hamsterdam which i know everybody who has taste <laughs> yeah. is looking forward to hamster doing brawling that's going to be so, fun just to pause you again here matt yeah um the first thing i thought of when i heard that game's name was the hamster dance and then I ended up with the hamster nets in my head for like the next two days. Yeah, that's it, it'll do it. Oh, if, what's the hamster? Oh, Matt, can we put hamster nets on the end of this? Yeah, we're going to do that. If, if, <laughs> if this game cover. doesn't have the hamster dance in it, then it's uh, a wasted opportunity. I everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, oh gosh, Alan, maybe close your ears for a second because, yeah. Uh, August 1 brings Amiga Labyrinth Life to the switch it also comes out on ps4 but is that the version. boot game yeah that's the it, boot game it's, it's the one with the w is shaped like yeah that's the boot game yeah so in this game it's basically a, it's a basically a roguelike dungeon crawler by and actually it's a it's a pretty talented developer in matrix software so it should be a pretty good game but um the the core mechanic is you power the girls up by making their boobs grow to like z size so um alan might not play that one but that seems like the least me game <laughs> You might, you might not play that one, Alan. Um, might the thing not, I hate about might, that game might not. is just this, this controversy surrounding the whole Switch version and the PS4 version. The people interested in that make me not want to look at it ever again. Yeah. Yeah. So the PlayStation 4 version has been pretty heavily, heavily edited in order to um, appease Sony, let's put it that way. And of course, that's causing a bunch of people that you probably shouldn't pay attention to throwing tantrums about and all kinds of stuff so it's nonsense but the game itself hopefully it's good i i like a good dungeon crawler so a bit of fan service never hurt anybody um moving on august 8 brings the switch port of pillars of eternity which is going to be great yeah. i'm actually really looking forward to having that on the go um really like really like that on the ps4 looking forward to playing that on the switch what else we got? Uh, August 13 brings Friday the 13th to Switch. The, wait, the asymmetrical multiplayer game. Yeah, that's the one where How one person that? one person plays as Jason and then everybody else plays as Jason's victims. Which That is game barely runs on any other system. How are they going to make it work on Switch? I don't know, Alan. <laughs> I don't know. It runs well on Switch and you know it. It may look a bit shittier, but it works. It no, this is not the issue of the game looking <laughs> like it is. The game just doesn't run. <laughs> um yeah well who knows it might work maybe they've figured out optimization or something maybe someone else is doing the port who knows yeah that's right <laughs> fell <laughs> seal arbiters mark comes out on august 14 if you're a fan of tactics rpgs you absolutely need to play that one and you may as well play it on switch because tactics and handhelds go well together um other than that Oh, for Yu-Gi-Oh fans, a Yu-Gi-Oh game comes oh, out one on Switch. Yu-Gi-Oh game comes out on August twenty, which is good. Yu-Gi-Oh is not bad; it's fun. It's not bad. No, <laughs> not bad at all. Um, <laughs> I want to introduce this to our international audiences. There's a video of a bloke saying "not bad" over and over again when he's caught a fish. It's great. It's Australian culture. Get it in you. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, finally oh, uh, Astral, Astral Chain comes out on August 30 and that's Nintendo's next one I guess after yeah. the month that they've had this month so towards the end of next month is Astral Chain which that's the Platinum Games one isn't it? It's yeah, the Acap game You're a cop and you beat people up in yeah. a good way. And you collect cats there's cats everywhere This sounds like a nightmare <laughs> 
It's going to be great. It's platinum. Oh, it's going to be great because it's platinum, but also like ACAB. <laughs> Let's put it this way. It's the first platinum game I'm legitimately hyped before, before launch. So it's going to be good. That confuses me that you'd pick this one out of like Bayonetta 2 or like the Wonderful Bay- 101. Or Wonderful 101 or like literally uh, Wonderful anything. 101 was pretty bad though. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I didn't like it. It was pretty games. terrible. I, I'm but, telling you, I'm telling you this now. Trent, this game is going to be good. Near Automata, and you didn't mention that as the a game that you're looking forward to. That's that's just terrible. Yeah, but I didn't hype up for that for launch. It just well, sort of brushed under the thing, and then I picked it up because you kept complaining about how good it is. Complaining <laughs> about how good it is. That's that's on that's on you, Trent. That's all on you. It's not yeah. my fault. You don't know good games. Speaking of everything being all on Trent, there's another game coming out, which is Bubsy Falls on Fire. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, was, I wasn't going to mention This is that also my because, fault. <laughs> because, yeah, Bubsy. You know, before the Kickstarter got cancelled, I backed the game. So that's it's all my fault. I have a question. <laughs> who, is the, who is the series for? <laughs> Me. Yeah, Only pretty much for Trent. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically just for Trent. Okay, People like question. me wish say that Sonic, like out of all the old characters, so- a Bubsy was better than Sonic, and the Bubsy games were better than Sonic. That's 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 people. People like me, basically. How yeah. does it feel to be so categorically wrong? No, it is right, and you know it. Bubsy 3D was shit. We can all agree on that. <laughs> but up until up until that point, the two the two, the two 2D games were way better than anything on the original Sonic. Sega Genesis or was it Sega Genesis? I don't know. It is now. Mega Drive, yes. Aren't they the same thing? Aren't you confusing me? I mean, Trent's kind of right, but only in the sense that Sonic's so categorically categorically bad and has always been bad. No, the point like is, if something shit like yeah. Sonic still exists in this day and age, why can't I have my Bubsy? To be fair, it's made by the bit trip guys. <laughs> Made by the Bitrip guys. It's probably gonna be good. If it's made by the Bitrip team, that's like fine. I just like still hate it exists. <laughs> I just I, I don't get Bubsy as a character. It's just weird. It, it weirds me out. He builds around puns, but they write three puns for every game and they just recycle them. I'm still waiting for somebody to revive Chameleon Twist. That was the real platformer. No, Arrow the Acrobat. I want Bonk. I'm really disappointed that Bonk got cancelled. Oh, Gix. Then... Everyone, re- anyone remember Gex? Gex the Nobody remembers any of these animals. <laughs> Gex was okay. Yeah, I'm down for Gex. Yes, let's do it. Okay, are we doing like obscure mascot time? Okay, <laughs> I want to see Blinks the Time Cat. <laughs> Tapping see... the power of Juju. No, I want to see freaking Voodoo Vince. <laughs> oh, Prehistoric Man. Remember Prehistoric Man? No, no one does. <laughs> Not even you. No, I'm all about the Scalar reboot. <laughs> I really want a Scalar reboot. Man, those, those were the days where everything oh, was a platformer with a stupid character at the lead. And what was the shitty dog game called? It was like Rough Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Spelt rough as in like R-U-F-F. <laughs> it was just Ratchet and Clank, but terrible. And like the main character was a dog who swore and said damn occasionally. <laughs> it was really good. Ooh. Are you playing on Ty, the Tasmanian Tiger? Yeah, oh, Chrome, Chrome Studios. They're yeah, dead now, they they're gone. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a version recently. A sad uh, game somewhere along the line. Yeah, it was somewhere a mobile game. It, it was yeah. a mobile game by a different developer. Yeah, I love that for the last 
three minutes. We could have just been making games up, and we would have just made as much sense as we just did. Uh, <laughs> you know what really needs to be rebooted? You know, uh, back in the day before, like, the Ovaltini and the Milo and stuff, how they had the um, little video games coming with them, which were shitty platformers? They need to be all rebooted. No, leave that to history. No, they need <laughs> Actually, to be rebooted. No, you know, I'd love to see that new Pip- a new Pepsi Man game. No, you don't. Yes, I really do. If if you're listening, still listening after all that, listeners, if you haven't turned the podcast off, <laughs> go go over to YouTube and watch footage of the Pepsi Man game. It's spectacular. It's a Eternal Runner before runners became a genre. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's spectacular. It's actually ahead of its time in a couple of very strange ways, <laughs> and I don't like that I'm praising Pepsi Man. Um, uh, also, watch the ads. Pepsi Man, the ads were great. Yeah, they just got like uh, some really fat American dude to just like drink a bunch of Pepsi and they put them in his CG cutscenes. <laughs> it's really, really good. No, there's this great ad where, like, I mean, Pepsi Man like breaks into some dude's house because he's out of drink and points, and then Pepsi appears, and that's the ad. And it's great. He's a bootleg Kool Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not wrong. Yeah, not back to games, though. Matt, there is also one more that you missed out for PS4. I think Control is coming out next month. Yeah, the Remedy game. Yeah, the Remedy game. And yeah. it's, it's weird because we haven't heard very much about it. Uh, we've heard like... It's not a good sign. One or two well, videos. it's because it's such a shitty name, I just glossed over it. I mean, Control, what's that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It means you have oh, control. It's a pun. It means controlling the game, but also being controlled. Oh. No. Are we going to music? No. <laughs> just no. <laughs> um... <laughs>
And welcome back from that whole stuff. So um, we had a couple of really sad bits of news this week, actually, and it pertains particularly to the Australian games industry. Um, and probably one of the most well-known games in Australia, Hands of Fate and Hands of Fate 2, um, the developer has unfortunately had to close their doors, which, you know, it sucks. You don't want to see this ever happen. And it's almost like there's a problem with the way that the creative industries are being funded in Australia, maybe. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that sounds like politics, Alan. You don't want yeah. politics in the podcast. No, not in my gaming podcast. Um, <laughs> so, not my Christian Minecraft server. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's really, really sad. If you have played Hands of Fate or Hands of Fate 2, those games are real good. Like, they're very, very good games. Matt, you've probably played way more of it than I have, in all honesty. Do you want to sort of just give everyone, like, a rundown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were really great. They were a nice mix of, I guess, well, they, they were a mix of card game, RPG, choose-your-own-adventure, and Batman-style combat, you know, that kind of combo, uh, you know, counter-heavy combat system. So um, yeah, they were they were really good, and I enjoyed them a lot. And when they announced that they were closing their doors, they pushed pushed out, I guess, some early footage of the next game that they were working on, and it looked really really good as well. Uh, or even in its very early stage, I, I guess they did that just so the people who were working on it had you know, proof for their portfolios. Now that they're looking for jobs. Um, I guess that's kind of the most disappointing thing because in the in the Australian industry, there aren't that many game development jobs going around because there aren't any big studios. So those guys finding work is going to be it's going to be tough. For yeah, them, unfortunately. Well, we, had, we had a similar sort of thing when Two K Marin closed, and that was really sad because they worked on Bioshock Two, which I still think is the best playing Bioshock game in the series. Yeah, it's well, like, that was the last big developer that Australia had. Mm. So once they shuttered, that was it. We don't. They, really have they also worked on the best Borderlands game because Randy Pitchford didn't touch it. <laughs> oh, pre sequel. Yeah, yeah pre it's the best Borderlands game. Borderlands. Um, disagree. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the Australian games industry has been in a tough spot, and they've. Uh, I mean, we finally got to a point, I guess, where the smaller studios were starting to grow up, grow again, and the output was pretty good. I mean, Hands of Fate is mm. a, a great game. We've also had a small team in Sydney do um, called Uppercut Games do City of Brass, which is yeah. a really good roguelike first-person shootery thing. Um, uh, I'm going to quickly interject here and say that Screen Victoria, which is... Victoria is one of the states in Australia, if you're international. Um, they have been supporting a bunch of smaller indie games and doing some grants, which pretty much led into, you know... Um, Oh, what's it called? The the board game that's with yeah. Animals. I was I was actually getting to that down in <laughs> down in Melbourne, uh, Armelo. <laughs> yeah, really Armelo, Melbourne, Armelo, which is uh, which is a really delightful game, and it's been going quite strong ever since it mm. came out. And that team is doing out, pretty that? good. Um, I think they're working on a sequel. Yes. Yeah. Well, they should be working on something. They need to create a new game. armello has been supported for quite a while, so they probably need to move on to the next thing. But there's another strong team down in Melbourne that's been doing some really interesting things recently uh, called Tin Man Games. They did uh, Warlock of Firetop Mountain and um, another similar style kind of uh, board game choose-your-own-adventure thing for PlayStation VR. So... There's, there is some talent there. There's plenty, actually, there's plenty of talent in Australia that we, yeah. we tend to punch above our weight. I guess the one thing that I was, I guess, because of the news, uh, I started to think about the Australian games industry uh, as well. And one of the things that I, I've always wondered about the Australian industry and 
it, it doesn't seem to be i mean a lot of the games that australian game developers create aren't really recognizable as australian games they don't really tell australian stories is as such yeah um and there's, there's been a couple of attempts like there was one team that made uh storm boy they made a that was yeah. Really, oh, yeah, a video game version of Stormboy, which is a classic Australian novel. Uh, and there's see. there's another one that's just come out this week, which is very uh, iconically Australian, I guess. It's called The Black Widow, and it's a small game uh, released for PC and tablets. And it's actually, it follows the um, the true story of the uh, a woman called Louisa Collins, who was the last woman to actually be hung, uh, the last uh, execution in Australia. So um, yeah, there's a game on her story that uh, that's just come out. But yeah, there, there aren't too many Australian developers that are really trying to to push Australian stories, and I think that's mm. something that I would like to see the developers that are left perhaps look at because I think there's a lot of, I mean, video games are kind of the main form of entertainment and or art out there these days. So mm. it would be nice to see Australia as a country and a culture reflected through these games a bit more. I'd love to see a Valiant Hearts style game with an Australian focus. Or like like Gallipoli, but Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something that tells you uniquely Australian story, but um through video game rather than film or, or yeah. literature. Um well, we've also missed out on probably my favorite Australian game, which is Hollow Knight. Um yes. which is made well, by that's a the team point. Of, I mean yeah. that's that's another game that is you know, it's made by Australia, but it's not recognizably Australian as such. It's um, really, yeah. You wouldn't like, know it came from. You go, well, that was Australian, and you're like nicely surprised by that, but you don't support it because you knew they were Australian. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah exactly. I mean, a golf story is another example. Um, nobody even knew it came out of Australia until they the rumors started. Yeah, the rumors <laughs> oh, started to flow because the developers so kind of um, closed. The sense doors. of humor is very Australian, though. It is, and that's I think probably where people started to guess where it was coming from. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people realized that golf story was necessarily Australian for a while either. Hmm. Do you feel another thing? I, I, oh, sorry. Sorry. Just another thing. I, one other thing I'd like to see is for Australian developers to to start to engage more with the Aboriginal people. Yeah. As well. And I'd love to see. Yeah. I'd love to see some games bring some game developers bring some Aboriginal people on to to start telling the Aboriginal stories. I mean, there there are a couple of countries that do quite well with that. Uh, Canada, for example, um, or Zealand. America uh, and New Zealand. The, these countries actually have developers that work quite well with native peoples to, to create stories that are authentic and tell their perspective. And I think the games are a great opportunity for that. But I think that that's an area where Australian developers have to pick up their socks a bit. I'm also um, in a fairly unique-ish position where I want to see more games be used as educational devices. So I think there's a really good opportunity for a lot of Australian devs to enter that space where it could be potentially used in a classroom. Um, I don't know if you're on the same page with me as about this, um, Harvard, but like I, I want to see more of that because kids engage with that sort of stuff way more if it's Australian. Yeah, I, I, I am, but on the other hand, I, uh, at high school, you know, there's like... Oh, at high school, absolutely not. <laughs> but the thing is, have you played the Storm Boy game, Alan? I have, yes. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be so good if you had someone who was resistant to reading and you they had access to that because Absolutely. that gives such a great doorway like that's i think it's really powerful and it you're right it's something that's not really explored mm. so well one yeah, of the things we're not 
when I was school, this is a long time ago now. When I was school. When, when I was at school, <laughs> that, this, this, this is a long time ago because I'm an old dude now. Yeah, Back but the curriculum doesn't really change that when, much, so it's probably, the, probably still the exact same thing. <laughs> one, one of the things we looked at was how Shakespeare is adapted into various ways, um, various oh, different media. you have to watch the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet? Oh, yeah. No, oh, we actually, God. I mean, what I studied was Hamlet, so, but I, I looked at, modern playwrights and how they have adapted Hamlet. I did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, The Dead and stuff. And I would think that a, a good opportunity there would be to get a game like Ryan North's To Be or Not To Be and, you know, get kids to, to read Hamlet or study Hamlet, but then also look at how game developers are working with Hamlet. Um, and I think there's a good opportunity there. And I think that it's a good opportunity for developers too, because if you can get into the education space, you've got an awful lot of guaranteed sales <laughs> for your game. Yeah, just because um, you'll have a whole bunch of different pedagogy people being like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Well, the pedagogy, yeah, but like the government is very much like, oh, no games. And yeah, because it's are like that too. They, they sort of like cover, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, your class, we're going to read the book and you read the book and then it's like, okay, class, we're going to watch the movie. The movie's okay, but the movie's completely different. So, but it's okay. And then it's like, okay, well, what about the game? It's like, nah. Like, we have that weird attitude when it comes to, I guess, games in general still, but they're for A, one for kids and B, for, you know, they're not educational or not valued in the community. Which is true for a lot of games yeah because they're starting very good that. education well, yeah, that, that's the point kids are playing <laughs> fortnite and the parents see fortnite and there is no value to fortnite um this is where a young bloke like myself <laughs> can come into a play school and we can get some stuff done i don't know why i became from in Rouge. <laughs> they're getting ready for your future yeah yeah well, I'm, I'm gonna... can i ask before the session goes too long um so you said that Australian games don't really have an Australian identity. Do you feel like games in other countries do have their own national identity? Like if you well, play yeah, Witcher, I mean, are you like, Japan. this is very Eastern European? <laughs> I mean... Uh, Stalker. <laughs> Japan. Yeah, Japan. And with yeah. like Bayonetta and all that sort like, of... Like J- J- Japanese games are quite clearly identifiably Japanese and I'd say also Chinese games. I mean, I mm. was singing the praises of Sword and Fairy um, a couple that's of months the, ago. The RPG and that is very like that. explicitly... That is very explicitly a Chinese game and, and that's great. Um, and I think that that stuff is, is valuable. I think Poland also... Um, mm. I think See, Poland's industry has developed to a point where... Polish games, even if they're not explicitly about Poland, but there's a very specific tone and style uh, about Polish games. And I think that's, you know, whether whether you're playing The Witcher or um, Dying, Dying Light or you know, any, any of the games that come out of Poland, I, I think that that country has a very strong um, national identity to its game development as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that there are some examples of that and i think it's, australia there's an opportunity for australians to start doing that but at the moment i think the the market's kind of small and we're struggling to stay relevant and our big studios keeps closing so um it, it's difficult to focus on getting that identity as a game development space yeah and this sort of comes back to the the idea we talked about before that with you know telling actually australian stories the witcher is based upon like a whole bunch of like fables and everything from that part of europe so it makes sense. And, you know, you can identify those things. Like even I think blood and wine is all about Faust and like, you know, that's fairly quintessential sort of European story that it was very easily adapted into a sort of, you know, French ish setting with Toussaint. 
So like it makes sense. There's nothing like that for Australia. We don't really have a game that has you know yeah make a original make a, Australian voices in it. Make a make a Ned Kelly open world uh, adventure game thing. You're saying that, but Red Dead would probably work pretty well. No, that's what I'm wasn't even jo- I wasn't joking. I was saying you know Ned Kelly <laughs> would be a, would be a good kind of character and good story to fit into that kind of Red Dead. Redemption style open world game. We'll have Tamworth in the map because Dead Kelly comes all the way up to Thunderbolts Rock. So, you know, probably even longer. So, you know, it's like all of the East Coast pretty much. Like, mm. or Kelly. what oh, yeah. another another great story that would that, that'd be great to tell is the Burke and Will story of, you know, yes. exploring, exploring through Central Australia. That'd oh, be great. That would be, it's like Oregon Trail, but it's yeah, yeah, exactly. and also like Telltale esque. So, you yeah, like make exactly. decisions about it. That would be fantastic. I'd play that. Exactly. That's exactly right. Like Australia has a lot of stories that could be adapted into video games. It's um, I think that uh, Australian developers aren't particularly focused on that, which is a bit unfortunate. I think there's an opportunity there. Mm. And like you say, once you do that, then you start to have some kind of educational merit to your games and you can build a business model around selling the games to the education space. And Especially if it's a way to tell Aboriginal stories and that sort of thing. Like if they could get like their sort of fables and stories into, you know, a little game. And then, you know, people can be like, okay, well, they, they don't really get told that much anymore. So people be like, oh, what's this game? What's this about? Oh, yeah, imagine. Thing. And then they can read into it a little bit more. Imagine having a bunny up in your game. It'd be, it'd be the most terrifying bloody horror game ever made. Yeah, just fucking, it just eats you. Yeah, the bunny. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we'll, we might cut this section there, I think, because we've sort of rambled. Well, uh, on that, we hopefully everybody's listening's out there Google searching the bunyip, and now they're going to have nightmares for the rest of their lives. But that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> so I'm um, going to play some Hands of Fate music because in solidarity with our Australian mates. And also Google Pilgrim <laughs> Forest Ghost. That's a fun story.
and welcome back. Um, so this last <laughs> couple of... that was a very low key downbeat. Welcome back, Alan. All right. Yeah, I'm happy now. Yeah, you're sad. I'm a sad boy. <laughs> I'm a sad boy. It's because yeah. you lost at civilization, wasn't it? No, I actually fairly consistently win. I'm pretty good at. I'm actually like not a dumb person. Sometimes. Low key, low key roasting <laughs> there. I usually yeah. stop like around <laughs> when it's just near the end. So he probably does that too. So he wins. No, I, I get really mad if I do that. I actually get angry at myself because it's like I'm so close. I just have to finish it. And then I'll either just like nuke everyone or just like go for culture. I have that problem with civilization too. I always get to like the modern era and then get bored. <laughs> no, so I love that era because again. I start like exerting like loyalty pressure on all the cities around me and it's amazing. Anyway, Civ. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, last week after the podcast, I plunged into my personal hell slash heaven, I guess, and picked up the Civ expansion uh, for Civ Six. That's called Rising Tides, I believe, which is basically just uh, climate change the game. Um, <clears throat> and that's fun. That's a good time. I'm really enjoying it. Um, so they've added in, you know, natural disasters. They've added in a more nuanced sort of... Uh, politics system where you can have... Does England get to 39 degrees? <sighs> no, but there's like tornadoes all the time. Does your city sink? Yes. Ben Shapiro lives in those houses now. <laughs> you had to mention him. Your name yeah. dropped him. Now he's going to find us, Alan. Yeah, he's going to be like, oh, what do you think I'm talking about? Oh, it's Ben Shapiro. Yeah. It becomes... I don't know why he becomes a 1930s gangster in my head. <laughs> Jordan Peterson's in the background going like, that's absurd. <laughs> See, you have to look at the lobsters. Anyway, um, yeah, Civ is amazing. It's a really, really good game. Um, if you have never played a Civ game before, this is the time to jump in because the game explains itself fairly well. Um, I started with Civ Five, and that was an interesting ride because the game did not explain itself particularly well, so I didn't like it for the longest time. You start um, with, like, the worst Civ as well. That's, like... No, Five's good. Cool. I like uh, Five. Oh, it's the worst. I like the religion system in Five. After Four, it's the worst Civ. Four's good though. Four is good, but then if you played four, you would have realized how shit five is. I didn't like four that much. I like the soundtrack in five more. Yeah, this is this is the fight. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I really like the Civ games. I think they're fantastic. Um, if you have never played it, play Civ Six. You can get it pretty cheap now. It's like twenty bucks, and I've got like two hundred hours in this game, which is a lot for me. So, lots of content. pardon. Lots of content. Lots of content. It's also on Switch. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for Switch, though, just because you can't get the expansions on there. No, Switch is great. It's portable, so it's better. It's portable, but I don't want to ever go back to base Civ 6 again after playing Rising Tide. Yeah, it really does look like a game changer. I haven't played it yet, but I I feel like if I picked that up, I'd be like, no, I have to play on the PC. Yeah, it's, it's that good. It feels like a sort of Lord of Destruction Diablo 2 size expansion where everything's changed there's a volcano system for example where if you're near a volcano and it erupts the entire um tile surrounding it will all be damaged but it'll also like make the soil more fertile so you can plant uh, you can like get farms on it and make it you know more viable to grow which is a really really cool idea um and then there's also floodplains which have a similar effect and there's a whole bunch of new civs, like uh, you've got Coupe from New Zealand, who is just the coolest, and he's so much fun and so completely different to every other culture-based um, civilization in any civ game, I'd say, because you start out in the middle of nowhere. Bit, bit hard to set up your PC on the train, though. 
You just get a laptop. You're going to annoy people. Just get a laptop. That's the seal. You need yeah. a pretty good laptop. No, you, you really don't. Yeah. You can you can make that game look like trash if you need to. Yeah, but it looks better playing pretty. Yeah, it does. Then just buy a gaming laptop. Be a real gamer. But then you've got a big giant the, the five kilo. You don't want to yeah. be that guy on the train. Have you ever actually tried to use a gaming laptop? Yes, on a train I have one. one. I have one. It's on a, a train. Yes, I've done it on a bus as well, and it sucked. But on a train, it's like more viable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Well, actually, Alan, I want to ask. Thanks. Yes. How long do you need to play for you to feel like all oh, the sessions been satisfying? Like if you play for twenty minutes, you're pretty mad, right? Um, it depends on what's happening in my game. If I'm doing like a lot of micro, like a lot on a lot of micromanaging, a lot of like civilian management sort of stuff, I'm okay with doing only twenty minutes. But like if I am sitting down and I play for like more than an hour, I need to play for more than like two hours. You know? Yeah, I get told a lot of the time. Like my friends will sit down and then it'll be four o'clock and the, they'll finish the game and be satisfied but they'll also hate themselves is that a, is that a recurring thing See, i don't hate myself because i'm a psycho <laughs> yeah no it's it's a really really good time it is a time sink of course like any 4x strategy game this is probably the easiest one to play though um but yeah it, it's one of those ones where i will have a game if you are good at the game and you can get a culture victory or a religious victory fairly early you can win a game in four hours like reasonably win a game in four short. hours. It's very um, it's it's very one more turn kind of game. Yeah, that's the problem. People get stuck into it, and whatever they're doing, they'll feel like, oh, I just need to do one more turn. But then something will happen, and they'll want to do one more turn, and it, it just goes on and play. on. So, um, civilization is hard to put down. So if you, yeah, it is so to... engrossing, and it's so much fun. Like this is the issue. It's not a gambling thing. It's just like this is the issue. It's just a good game. <laughs> Yeah, but if you're time-strapped, then you're not going to get... You're probably going to find civilization frustrating because uh, well, point, you, you won't necessarily... Every, every time you have a little bit of time for gaming, you'll, you'll sit down and think, well, I can't really play civilization because I don't have that much time, so I'll do something else. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hobby into itself. Um, and I do think there are probably better 4X games out there for short, short play. Um, one example, I think, I actually think um, it's a much more complex game, so it's much harder to get into. But uh, Europa Universalis um, yeah, four, four is is a game that you can play for shorter periods. Like I can sit down and play that one for half an hour and not feel like I need to keep playing. Whereas with Civilization, if I sit down, I, I really do feel like I want to keep playing for two, three hours in a in a session. So mm. Crusader um, Kings Two is also very, very good for that. Crusader okay. Kings 2 is a good one. And what's that space one? I find that's quite Stellaris. easy. To... Stellaris, yeah. Stellaris um, is... It's releasing have... console soon. Yeah, I have that on PC, uh, PS4. I think the, it's the expansion that's coming to yeah. PS4. But anyway, uh, yeah, I have that on PS4, and I can sit down and play that for an hour or half an hour and not feel like I've, um, I, I need to keep going. So, yeah. Mm. Strategy yeah. games, they're, they're really not good for... <laughs> they're really not good for people who only want to play a short match. You know what Civ needs to do, though, is it needs to combine its space genre and, like, um, game with its base sim game. Like, just make it an extension. That would be so much so, game. So I can do, like, a spore thing, and, like, after I've, like, leveled up my city and got rockets and stuff, I can, like, then build a rocket and start building a civilization on the moon and shit like that. Isn't that's kind of that's kind of outside the scope of Civ. Like, so the, the point of Civ is that you, you're playing through 
the <laughs> development of real civilizations, the historic yes. development of real civilizations. Developments of the future. I'm on the moon. When Get me to the moon. You start going to the moon, you're looking at very different kind of. You're looking at a very different kind of also development. Trent, it becomes very future thinking. I know 2077, I believe, has that feature. Does it? Where, similar yeah. Feature, where you build your little earth thing and then you're like, okay, you know what? Yeah, so the there's like a, there's a temperate a polar and a moon colony in Arno and you have to like set up supply chains between them all. So that might be what you want. Maybe. I didn't really love Arno though, but I could probably give it another chance. I, I played like the race, the one before. Arno's not really a 4X though. It's not really a 4X, yeah. but it's close yeah. to what you want in terms of like managing a space colony and also like a regular colony. Trent should just play Stellaris. <laughs> Yeah, you should just play. If he wants a space for X, you should just play Stellaris. But I don't like just space games because just space games are really boring sometimes. Space. There is that um (laughs) the old Sid Meier's um Alpha Centauri. Yeah, yeah, that's on good old games, I believe, and you can get it for like five bucks. It's good. It's really good. It's pretty good. There was also um Civilization. We'll see. There was actually a space one. um, Yeah. Um. Into beyond us. Beyond yeah, us, yeah. Beyond us, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it wasn't that great. There was not much to do in that game other than just like, you're going to put down the farm. You know why? Because Beyond Earth was around the generation 5 1. Mm. Makes no, sense, doesn't it? No. It's because every single Civ game has a problem. <laughs> ah. No. Civ 2 never doesn't have a problem. Never had a problem. Civ 2 was great. Civ 2 is the perfect Civ. That was my favorite by a long way. That was the one I used to spend all weekend. Back That's when the I was. one that looks like it's isometric and strange, right? Yeah, yeah it was power. before your time, Alan. You're probably not even born when it was out. Um, <laughs> 1971. Some yeah. <laughs> 1971. You are not that old. Um, yeah, I am. How do you know? No, Civ, Civ 2 was the game I actually grew up playing. Like It was... I'd come home from school on a Friday and then end up sitting there playing it till Monday morning <laughs> and not getting too much sleep and feeling pretty stupid after that. But yeah, Civ 2 was was the game that got me into it. And I and don't know if that's just, around anywhere. Should we just pivot for a second, Matt, so you can just mention Fire Emblem? Yes, I want to mention Fire Emblem because if you're Which not part? into 4X strategy games, but you like a bit of tactics, Fire Emblem came out this week and I, I just have to glow about it a little bit more because, yeah, my review's up. I, I love the game. I, as we were talking about last week, I have some issues with its uh, length, its contents, bits, but the core Fire Emblem stuff is just great and the characters are great, especially Pink Miku and... Of course, Pink Miku. Pink Miku. Pilda. It's Piku. Piku, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 a really great game. It's um, it's much more accessible for somebody like you, Harvard, with your question about whether you can um, you, you should dedicate too much time to civilization if you don't want to dedicate that much time. Uh, you can play this one instead. It'll take you a while to get through it because it is a very long game, but you can certainly play for you know twenty minutes at a time and feel like you're making progress. So what's this about the school stuff being like completely complicated and like overbearing? Complicated, no. Just dull. It's like Harry Potter, but not good. It's like Harry Potter, but not good. Oh, is everyone, is JK Rowling gonna write every character in his gay? <laughs> no, it's, it. okay, so between battles, you go back to the academy and you have to organize your lessons for your classes and 
um, your characters all develop based on the lessons that you set them and you can then wander around the academy and talk to everybody you can do a bit of fishing all that kind of stuff so it's a lot of um it's a lot of busy work and i did also see you can skip past it if you want you can skip past it and it'll automate a lot of it if you if you want um that's good at least because i feel yeah. like i get really into it for the first like you know five hours of gameplay and then just be like i don't care well, i'm done well the problem is in a game the problem is each month um the kind of the, the conversations change that you have with your characters in the academy so um you basically do have to go if you automate past that you miss a lot of flavor i guess um and chance for characterization so you can't skip all of it really but in terms of it being complicated i i don't know it might be complicated if you haven't played any games before if you're, if you it's just it's just surreal. Game. It's just surreal going from you know um, talking about four X games and how great they are to to talking about Fire Emblem being being complicated because that's it's not exactly it, it's not exactly a four X. Um, there there is a lot of character statistics to manage, I guess, because you've got right from the start you've got access to like fifteen characters. Um, and you've got to control how each one of them develops so you can end up with a nicely balanced party of characters. And so like a real combat. school, you start focusing on your favorites and everyone else falls behind and then eventually they're in a dead end job and yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Pink, Pink Miku got all the all the luck with me as her teacher. So all right. um, she, got, she got very specialized uh, education and I kind of ignored it. Why else. would you say it like that? <laughs> if... If we didn't like want to pick Miku, who is the best house to pick? I'm hearing either the the black eagles or whatever it's black owls, something like that, or the yellow deers are the ones to pick. But the blue one is crap. Is that true? Well, I mean, I've heard a lot about Team Instincts. Yes, they're all they're all the same. But golden deer, <laughs> golden deer is the one with pink Miku, so go with them. All right, but well, you can actually recruit characters from other um, houses into yours anyway, so it's not it's not the kind of the the you know, pick one house and that's what you're stuck with that i think some people are thinking to be honest though everyone i know in the fire Emblem fandom is super into waifus and husbanders so i well, think that's kind that's of the, the point of the series <laughs> yeah that's the only way they make decisions yeah you just pick yeah but you actually get they have this cutscene at the start which shows you every single character in every single house um so you just pick whichever <laughs> one has the the character you like the most and you know that's why i ended up with the golden deer because there was pink miku actually the, the question trent the head of no the, one I the head of the golden deer is a pretty cool dude too because he's like a um arabic looking archer dude and he's way cool claude he's sexy okay we're gonna end it at that <laughs> Claude, right, we're sexy gonna, we're gonna play we're gonna play some music that's actually the maori theme from civ 6 because it's really good no is i like it? it it is are you sure yeah, I, I am very sure. It's a good tune. I don't know why you're being so aggressive about this. <laughs> Chip has great music. It does. Like the Watson and Matilda theme. Except for the Watson and Matilda theme. No, that's a really good version of that song. No, it's not. It's the only good version of that song. Oh, why. I've got a one with the Hatsune Miku to show you. No. I've got, I've got a Miku cover of Watson. No, all right. Quick, quick, podcast, podcast over by everyone. Podcast terminated. <laughs>